Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Today is a special day in the Christian world. It's, it's Palm Sunday. It's, it's known for the day that Jesus came into Jerusalem just before Passover and just before the crucifixion. And he actually did it fulfilling Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where he says he's going to come in on a donkey colt and they're going to lay down palm branches. And we read about it in John chapter 12, and it talks about what Jesus did. And it's interesting. So they were laying these palm branches and they're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And their expectation was high. They thought that this king, um, they, they, they read the, the prophecies. And they said, well, this, this is the king. This is without a shadow of a doubt. This is the Messiah. And so they're going through all the process. But we know the story because we have, we have the gift of time that just days later, uh, literally the same ones that were yelling Hosanna are yelling, crucify him. And I, and I thought about it long and hard over the last, you know, just a couple of years, you know, and especially this morning as we were singing those songs. Uh, part of the reason is because their expectations were dashed. They had expectations of an earthly king, but what he was, was a spiritual king. He was a heavenly king. And so when he was executed at that moment, their expectations were dashed. And it made me think about in our lives, our expectations. Have you ever had your expectations dashed? Like, I'm not just talking about a picnic and it rains, right? Because that happens times where you have this big day planned or you're going to go to a, a major league baseball game or, you know, people that probably went to the Masters yesterday that didn't go to the Masters because it was so cold. Their expectations of something were, were dashed. But how about real stuff? How about real stuff when expectations of health or maybe a relationship or a job? Because I've known people, honestly, that have prayed and prayed and prayed that God would heal their marriage. I know people that have prayed years and God didn't heal their marriage. And it's almost like he didn't show up on time. You ever have that moment where you feel like he didn't show up on time? I know people that were praying for healing of their physical body. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and God never came. It's almost like he came late or he didn't show up at all. I know people that have prayed for jobs and ministries and it just never happened. And I think there's some responses because we're human and and responses that probably a lot of us have had. I think one of the first responses that a lot of us have when God doesn't seem to be up on time or God doesn't show up, our expectations are death. I think the very first one is a lot of times we just give up. We just say, you know something? Christianity's not worth it. I, I thought I thought he was the savior of the world. I thought he was going to be on time every I thought, I believe in the red. Why? Why didn't he show up? And, 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 and some people, that's a real thing. Some people have another kind of response to it. And it's almost a false sense of humility. And you've probably heard it. And, and, and they, all, they almost take this, this, this kind of victim mentality like, well, I guess just God doesn't love me as much as everybody else. Right? Well, you know, if God really loved me, and this little pathetic voice, this little like almost spiritual prayer voice we have, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like Job. And, and then there's another one. And I'll just be honest, this is where I fall, that I shake my fist at God. Sometimes I shake my finger at God. I can't believe all the things that I've done for you, and this is how you're going to respond. This is what you're going to do. I've given 30 years of my life, and that's what you're going to do. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. That's reality. I can't believe 
you allowed that person to die. I can't believe that you allowed my marriage to fall apart. I can't believe that that, 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 that addiction took my son or took my brother or whatever. I can't believe you let it happen. And then there's another one. And this is the one I would like to move toward today. Somehow or another, if we could all lean into this one right here, it's where we know that God is God and we know he's gonna do something and we've watched him move before and it may not seem like it's our timing, but we know God's timing is perfect. He may not show up right now, but he will show up eventually. Somebody say amen to that. See, somebody said to me a couple weeks ago, because it's an older guy that's in our church. He's in his 80s. It's not as old as it used to be, by the way. <laughs> Just a, like, he's an older guy. When I was 20, 80 was like, you're Methuselah. But he, I asked him a question. I said, why did you come to Journey? I said, the music is not your style. The clothing is not your style. And he goes, but everything that's done is authentic. So today I'm going to be real. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes life throws you a curveball. Now we're in this series called I Am. And it's interesting because today's I Am is a story just like that. It's a story about a man named Lazarus. That the two sisters, which by the way, were some of Jesus's closest friends, Martha and Mary, he had two groups that he hung out with a lot, uh, Peter, James, and John. He took them to the Mount of Transfiguration, prayed with them. He's the one that came down and said, could you not even pray with me one hour? But they were, they were his closest friends. And it was Peter, James, and John. And so they would hang out all the time. So during this ministry on earth, that's who he, what he loved spending time with. While Jesus was traveling with his disciples to Bethany, by the way, he was traveling to Bethany. He gets a report that Lazarus is sick. Now, Jesus does something in this story that's kind of peculiar if you want to know the honest to God truth. He does nothing. He literally doesn't, he doesn't move. He doesn't get up. He doesn't, he doesn't start to head toward where, where, where Lazarus is. And he says this one phrase that just blows me out of the water. This sickness will not end in death. And then you read John 11. Watch what happens. John eleven seventeen. 17, if you have a Bible, this is where we're going to land today. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. But Jesus, you just said it wasn't going to end in death. And when you show up, he's been in the grave for four days already. So for four days, he's been rotting. But you said he wasn't going to end in death. So when Martha and Mary, or Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she, uh, I jumped. When Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, boy, this is our response. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am, there it is right there. I am, I am the resurrection and the life. And by the way, you can't put those two together. He's the resurrection of, of ultimately when we die. He's the resurrection of our dreams that have died. He's also the life. He wants us to have life on this side. That's what we're gonna talk about today. He, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the God. 
who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary saying in private, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met. When the Jews who were there in her house, who were consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Watch this, verse 32. Now, when Mary came to see where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her and the Jews who were there with her, also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was greatly troubled. Now, I, I, I got to throw out, because there's some huge spiritual nuggets in this place that we've got, we've got to grab. The first one is, Martha and Mary both had the same response, is if you would have been here on time, you wouldn't have died. Man, don't, don't, don't tell me that's not how we feel. Jesus, if you would have been on time, if you, if you would have showed up at this moment right here, this wouldn't have happened. It's called a defining moment. So many times in our lives, we can actually go back to a defining moment or a catalyst moment where we can see that something happened. And we go back to that moment right there and we say, Jesus, if you would have showed up right there, none of this would have happened. None of this addiction, none of this problem, none of this, none of this death, none of this, whatever it is, that wouldn't happen if you would have showed up right there. Now, Jesus knows the big picture and another spiritual truth that we, he doesn't rebuke either one of them for their doubts. As a matter of fact, he uses it as a moment of teaching who he really is. He wanted to reveal to Martha and Mary who he really was. Because at this point, even in the story, the teacher has come, not the Messiah, not, not the God, not the Savior of the world. Now, here's another observation that I noticed is to, to Martha, he speaks very theological. He goes, I am. That's what he says. When he's a, if you would have been here, and he goes, I am. And, and right away in her mind, she was going back thousands of years to what, what God spoke to Moses uh, on Sinai. And he says, who should I send? Who should I say that's sending me? And he says, just tell them that I am sending you. So maybe she was more analytical. Maybe she needed to have a little, little bit more cerebral outlook of what Jesus was or who Jesus was. So, so, so Jesus responds to Martha just the way Martha needs to be responded to. But Mary, on the other hand, who's weeping uncontrollably, you know what he said to her? I care. He actually cried with her. He actually, it says that Jesus had compassion on her. You remember in the very first I am of the whole series? It was the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and people said that that was an insignificant miracle, but there was one key moment and it was when Jesus had compassion on the people. I want to show you, God is still a God of compassion. He understands what we go through. Even if it doesn't seem like he's on time, he understands everything we're going through. And something important happened in Martha's life. You know what happened? She finally got in on the miracle. She realized what was happening, what was gonna happen right in front of her eyes. She went from thinking that Jesus had missed out on the situation to believe that Jesus was the master of the situation. Did you hear that? Initially, her thought was that Jesus missed this opportunity. And by the end of the story, she realized he was the master of that story. That's how he is in our lives, that he was in control and that he knew what he was doing, that everything was gonna be fine. She, she didn't know what Jesus was about to do, but she knew he was about to do something. Can I throw that out today? I don't know what's going on in your life or what's, what, where your situation. 
I don't know what Jesus is going to do, but I know he's going to do something. He's going to make something happen because that's the God he is. Now there's Mary on the other hand, right? Mary on the other hand, she didn't catch it. You ever find yourself in that place? Can, can I be brutally honest right now? How would you respond if Jesus would have done the same thing to you? We would have said, Jesus, where are you? If only you had been here, if only you'd been at this moment, nothing, none of this would happen. And I love Jesus' response to Mary. Can, can I throw this out? And I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything. I'm not embarrassing. I believe there's lots of people sitting here in our atrium watching at Sherwood, watching online, that are feeling right now in their current circumstances, Jesus, where are you? And I believe the answer that he gave Martha and Mary will be the same answer that he would give us today. Can I read it one more time with that in mind? Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then this is the question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I love her response. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What would your answer be? Just, just, just let, let it rest for a second. What would your answer be if Jesus asked you right now, do you believe this? See, these truths that are in these passages are not just Easter Sunday resurrection truths. These are every Sunday resurrection truths. These aren't things that we just preach on Palm Sunday or Easter, that Jesus is the resurrection, or it's something nice to say at a funeral service, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and then no one's going to die, and we all get, yay, warm fuzzies, he's, he's going to be in heaven. And when he shut his eyes on this side, he opened them on, yes, but there's something on this side too. And these are deep truths that God wants us to learn and understand. The principle here is that Jesus has power over death and life. He's more powerful than any problem that you'll face. There is no situation you cannot endure and that Jesus can't resolve, period, okay? So what's that mean? Let me give you the first truth today. This is a biggie, by the way. There is no resurrection without death. You're going, what? You can't have a resurrection if it hasn't died yet. There's no resurrection. And you know what happens in the church world? We have painted this like this beautiful picture that nothing ever bad happens to any believer. That you'll never endure hardship. You'll never have a struggle. You'll never have a problem. You'll never get a cancer. You'll never have kids that go astray. You'll never have a divorce. You'll never get fired. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never. And we think that Christianity is unicorns and rainbows and cotton candy. It's just one big carnival. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I've been a believer for 30 plus years. I did not read the fine print. If I would have read the fine print, there's gonna be turbulence. There's gonna be loss. There's gonna be pain. There's gonna be setbacks. There's gonna be defeat but you can't experience the power of the resurrection and, until you've experienced the pain of death. You can't. There's no way you can, uh, you can understand the power and the glory of a resurrection in life with, without the pain of the death and the burial. There's no way you can do it. I'm not just talking about when natural life comes to an end. That's part of it, right? And I say every funeral when, when well, believers, not every funeral, believers. 
when they shut their eyes, when their hearts stopped beating on this side of eternity, it started beating on the other side of eternity. I believe that with everything that's in me. Somebody say amen to that. I haven't been there yet, but I've read the book and the God that I believe in, he did it. Okay? Sounds simplistic, right? No, it's, it's quite, quite factual. And, and so it's one of those deals where you can't experience, but sometimes... Sometimes that death is a relationship. It's not just a physical body. Sometimes it's a death of a relationship. Sometimes, sometimes it's a death of a dream. That you've carried that dream for 30 years. I'm just saying I have a friend like this. But you've carried a dream for 30 years or 40 years. And that dream seems to, right in front of you, die. Or it's a death of a job. Or it's a death of a career. You can't experience a resurrection without a death, though. We're not immune to death in our lives. We cannot avoid, but through the power of Christ, we can overcome. That's the way it works. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection, even before he went to Calvary. It was days, it was, it was days before he was going to Calvary. He knew the resurrection. He said the resurrection of life, but still he had to die to endure a resurrection. Even Jesus had to go through it. You're going, Bobby, this is this is heavy today. Hold on a second. It's getting ready to get good. But I'm gonna say this: the challenges that you face today, the challenges that are coming your way, don't ever diminish the power that God can demonstrate through your circumstances. Please hear me on that. I don't care how bad it gets. The power of God is still going to be demonstrated if we allow it to happen. Because even in the midst of death, God can create life. Did you hear me? Even in the midst of death. Can, can, I, can I throw something out? I think one of the biggest things that we do wrong, if you call yourself a believer, one of the the biggest things we do wrong is we speak to things as if they're dead and God speaks to them as if they're alive. Stop calling what he's calling alive dead. Did you hear me? Maybe that dream's not dead. Maybe it's just put on pause. Maybe that relationship is not dead. It's just put on pause. Maybe, maybe, God is, maybe God is doing something way bigger than out, out. Maybe he's not late. Maybe he's going to be on time. Verse 25, it says, Then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, he's, that's the natural death, he'll live. See, Jesus wanted to demonstrate that in this life, the here and now, even in the midst of death, we can experience life. I, I, I did a funeral here a couple weeks ago. A believer, by the way. And this is the exact words that came out of my mouth. I don't know how people that don't have hope go through death. I don't know how they do it. The hope that I have, the Bible says in Romans, that this present suffering doesn't compare to the future glory, that God has something, that I have gone and I'm preparing a place for you. That's what he says. And I can have that hope because I know this, even though death happens, life happens too. And in the midst of whatever's going on, Jesus was wanting to demonstrate in the here and now, in the midst of death, that he was still powerful. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how how dead something is. 
God can still make life out of it. Okay, okay. When Jesus shows up, I, read the King James in this story because it's really good. It says the body stinketh. It started to smell. Anybody leave anything in the trash can? And it starts to stinketh. And you ask your wife to take it to the trash. <laughs> Last night we had, we had fish for dinner. And I remember saying, I got done filleting the fish out. And I remembered, don't let me forget to take the trash out. Because you know what happened in the morning if I woke up this morning, it was in there? That's what Lazarus was. I don't want to paint this gross picture. Four days though. They, they didn't have all the embalming stuff. They literally wrapped him in rags and put him there. He was starting to decay. And even in the midst of the decay, God was about to do something. How about in our lives? In the midst of the decay of our lives, in the midst of our sin that stinks to God, what can God do? What does God want to do? See, everybody was focused on how dead Lazarus was, but Jesus was focused on how alive he was going to be. He wasn't, in Jesus's eyes, what did he say? Go back to the beginning of the story. This will not end in death this time. Now, the bottom line is he eventually died, right? Lazarus died and he went to heaven because everybody does. Man's appointed one time to die and then a judgment comes. But at this particular moment, they were all focused on com completely on this, this, this Lazarus situation, him being in the dead for four days, but not Jesus. Jesus wasn't there. And it doesn't matter how dead your situation is. It doesn't matter how much it stinks. God can still breathe life into the situation. And, and you know what? This is really cool. And you never know how he can do it. That's the great thing, the miracle of, of Christ. Just because your, your situation is dead right now doesn't mean it's going to be dead tomorrow, by the way. And then... Another great just truth from this is the overcoming life is yours for the asking. So you're saying, I want all this. I, I got some dead things in my life and I want, well, ask for it. Be believe that he can do something. Verse 25, let's read it one more time. He says, I, I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, Jesus promised, can, can I give you a promise? This is the promise that God gives us. He promises his followers victorious, overcoming life. Not just in heaven, but the here and now. We don't have to wait till the roll is called up yonder to have a life everlasting. We can have it right here. Okay, my life verse is John 10, 10. We read it a couple of weeks ago. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy and decompose and death. As a matter of fact, you know what death was? Death was the answer to the devil or Satan. It was his, his way of saying, I'm going to terminate everything. The resurrection is the way God brings it back to life. So in our, in our lives, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. He says, the thief came to kill and destroy in John 10, 10. But I come, I come to give you life and life to the fullest, or life abundantly, on this side of eternity. And you know something? The reason we don't have it is we haven't asked for it. I believe on this side of eternity, we have to understand in the midst of all the struggles and the problems and the issues that we have, that we can still have life abundantly. I think it comes down to two key words. I'm, 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 I'm going to close right here, okay, in about 40 minutes. 
but I think it comes down to two key words, right? And these are, this is a big observation I made in this story. I'd just like to share it for a second. So in verse 27, she said to him, what? Yes, Lord. You can't call him Savior. You can't trust. You can't believe. You can't have life and say, no, Lord. The only way we can have it is when we, when we say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. Yes, Lord, I understand that some things have to die in my life before there's a resurrection. Yes, Lord, I understand you aren't afraid of dead situations. Yes, Lord, I understand even if, even if it's been dead for a while, I believe you can bring it back to life. Yes, Lord. There's a story years ago. There was a tightrope walker, and some of you probably have heard the story. It's a story of a guy named Blondin. And Blondin would tightrope across the Niagara Falls. And he would tightrope every day. He would go back and forth and back and forth. And people, fans and people would just clap and they would go crazy. Well, one day he got a little courageous. He got a little bit, like maybe even a little bit like, you know, like, like, like you see me do this every day. Let's, let's step it up a little bit, an adrenaline rush. And he goes, I got this wheelbarrow. How many people believe that I can walk across this, this with a wheelbarrow? And they were like, yeah, we believe you can do it. He said, how many people believe that I can walk across this tightrope with this wheelbarrow with somebody in it? yes, that would be so stinking awesome. How many people would get in the wheelbarrow? Nope. See, here, here's what I've learned. You can believe in something and not trust in something. You can believe in something and not trust in something. Anybody watch sports? Just think through the last couple years of your favorite sport, basketball, football, baseball. I'm a baseball, golf. I love, watched the Braves last night. I like, was at the Masters the other day, watched reruns of the national championship against Alabama and we won again. It was amazing. It was amazing. We won again. Uh, you know what? I woke up this morning and looked at myself in the mirror. You know what I said? You're a champion. You're a champion. Go dogs. There's only one team this year can say that. My team. <laughs> if it's seconds on the clock in a basketball game, who do you want to give the ball to? You want to give it to LeBron? You want to give it to Kobe? You want to give it to, you know, you want to give it to Michael? You want to give it to somebody that you have trust and faith and belief in, right? Not just I believe they can do it, that I trust they can do it. At the end, at the end of a baseball game, the ball gets put in the hand of what they call a closer. And they have, they have trust and faith that that person is going to make sure that that last out happens. And he throws hard and he gets, uh, in, 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 a, in a football game, you want Tom Brady as your quarterback if it's like seconds left, right? Like you want to give pretty boy the ball, right? Because you have trust and faith. Uh, how about it's a little bit more serious than sports? How about with national security right now? I just, I, I'm not... I, just, I'm being honest. Like, I am afraid that I'm going to wake up one morning and some bonehead has touched the button, right? I have trust and faith in some people. I trust that they, I have faith that they can do it, but I don't always trust that they can do it. How about with Jesus? Because that's what happened with Martha and Mary. They had faith and they finally trusted. They trusted that God, that's the yes, Lord part. Yes, Lord, I believe that you can do all of those things. See, it's not just, I believe that Jesus can handle the circumstances better than any athlete. 
I think he creates the circumstances and dictates the circumstances. And that's why, that's why I want to put my hand, my, 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 my faith and, and my life into his hands. When you put your faith in his hands, I guarantee you this. I guarantee, I'll make you a guarantee. You can write this down, write this down, tweet it. Say, Pastor Bobby said he guarantees this. His solution to your situation will be better than anything you can have imagined. I don't know what that is, but I promise you it'll be better than anything you can imagine. He still says that he does things for those who love him. All things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It may not be our good, but it's gonna be his good. Let me wrap the story up because this is verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again. He came to his tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by, by this time, there will be an odor. And for, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said on this account of the people standing around me that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen straps, underline that. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, unbind him, let him go. Can I throw something out? What has you bound up? What's the things in your life that are binding you from fulfilling John 10, 10, having the best life? Is it that past addiction? Is it the people that are around you that tell you you can't do that? It's time to break those. It's time to break those. It's time to take off those, those, the garments of death and put on garments of life. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know what it looks like for me. I want you to do me a favor. We don't do this very often. But this morning, I just, I felt, and honestly, all day yesterday and this week, as I've been preparing this message, I've been feeling like there needs to be some sort of response. Now, I promise you, because you know me, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. That's not who we are. That's not what I do. But I want you to just shut your eyes for a second. And the only response, this, I'm going to make you this promise, okay? I'm going to make you a promise right now. There's going to be one response. I'm going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask for people to open their eyes and look around. I'm just going to ask for you to respond. If today you came here and whatever life is taking, whatever circumstances. It seems like God, the expectations were ruined. Maybe it seems like God didn't show up on time. Maybe, maybe you can't see God in that circumstance, but you want to see God in that circumstance. And today, all you're going to do, you want to acknowledge it. I just want you to stand up right where you're at. Thank you so much. Just right where you're at. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's how you view yourself. Wow. I 
want you to know this. There's been a whole team of people this morning praying for this moment, praying for you. We knew this was going to happen this morning. God, I don't know what it looks like in every one of these circumstances, but you do. You know every every situation that we go through. I don't know how you're going to perform a miracle, but I know you're going to perform a miracle. I don't know how you're going to resurrect it, but you're going to resurrect it. And God, if there's things that are supposed to stay dead, let us not try to resurrect those. Let us look for the next thing that you want to bring life to. I pray for every one of my friends in this room, down at Sherwood right now, that are standing up over in the atrium or maybe online, watching all across the world, maybe maybe needing your hand, maybe needing your touch. God, I pray that you would do that. That you would get the honor and the glory that you deserve because you're the only one that can bring death back to life. Don't open your eyes, but everybody else stand up. Don't open your eyes, everybody else just stand up. I want to do something real quick. You can open your eyes now. We're going to have closing prayer. And I want to do something different today. Because one of the convictions that I've had over the last several years is churches doing this junk right here. And we're getting ready to tell the greatest story in this next week that we can tell. And maybe not everybody will do this, but we're going to do this. I want you to think about churches in our area, the pastors that you know. And I want you with me to agree in prayer this week that God would fill those places up, that it wouldn't be a competition anymore. This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. This is not a competition. I am not in competition with 1116 or New Passion or Stevens Creek or Grace. As a matter of fact, they're on my team. They're on my team. They're on your team. And I feel like it's time that we start praying for our other churches in the area, that God Jesus would be lifted up and men would be brought down. Amen? That we would make the big J the important thing, Jesus, and the little J in our, our circumstance journey the little thing, right? Would you, would you agree with me today? Would you do it all week long? Would you all week, every day this week, would you pray that God would fill places up, that, that he would give us opportunities to invite people to this church and that God would give opportunities to other people that go to other churches to invite them to their church where they can hear the dangerous message of Jesus Christ. Are you all with me on this? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we get to share a resurrection story. But it's not just this Sunday. It's every Sunday that we get to. But this coming week, we get to share the greatest resurrection, that Jesus Christ rose from the grave just like he promised, and he gives us life everlasting. I pray for every church every church that lifts up your name this past, this, this week, I pray that you would fill them up, God. I, I pray for every senior pastor, every communicator, every youth pastor, every missions pastor, every worship pastor, God, as they get ready for the, the Super Bowl of church, God, that we would, we would share your name above our names of our churches. God, that we would take the name off the back of the jersey and play for the name on the front of the jersey. Somehow, God, let us do that. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.